Hello friends and welcome to episode 17 of the Regenerate Millennial podcast. This is part two of what is the gospel. And in part two, we're going to wrap up our conversation regarding the cross and the resurrection. And we're going to get into some practical questions that I have for the guys arising out of the gospel message. For this episode, uh, part two of what is the gospel, I'm joined again by my pastor, Jordan, my good brother, Spencer, and we were graced with the presence of my beautiful wife, Sean, as she sat in with us for part two. Pray that you guys enjoy this conversation, that you are blessed by it, that it glorifies God and in your hearts and uh, makes you passionate about diving deep into the gospel. Thank you guys again for all the support, but as always, all glory to God and Him alone. Let's get started. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So for part two, we're joined by Spencer again, Jordan again, Pastor Jordan, uh, and my wife, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining, Sean. Yeah, thanks for having me. In your own home? In my house. You're welcome. (laughs) You're very welcome. Okay. So. We touched on sin, the law, the life and the person of Jesus, the crucifixion, resurrection. Now, since we've heard the gospel, my question to start off part two of what is the gospel is, we've heard the gospel now, what is the response? Jordan. Mm. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, that's Romans 12, 2. Galatians 1, 10 says this, For I am now, okay, now that I'm saved, now that I've heard the gospel, now that the gospel affected my life, for I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Mm. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man... I would not be a servant of Christ. Ooh. So what that tells me is yeah. if the gospel is actually affected and taken root in my life, I'm not living for me. Mm. Right? I'm living for Christ. And what's crazy about that is if I'm living for Christ, I am living life to the fullest. Yeah. That's what I was created to do. Mm. The good life. The good life. <laughs> Amen. Which starts on this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, it does. Um, Spencer, what would you say? Uh, I would probably back it up just a little bit and say that a person's initial response to the message of the gospel, if you hear the gospel proclaimed, declared, preached, um, in order to reap the benefits of the gospel, you need to repent 
and mm. believe, which sure. is something we touched upon very briefly in our yeah. first episode. Yes. Yeah. So repentance essentially is doing a 180 degree, renouncing your sin, rejecting the world, and turning to Christ as the only Lord and Savior. Mm. The yeah. only source of salvation that exists um, yeah. anywhere. Right. In heaven, on earth, under the earth. Yeah. Jesus I like, Christ. Yeah. I like how, um, I, don't, I can't remember if it was Alistair Begg or Sinclair Ferguson. It was one of those amazing Scottish preachers. Um, with their beautiful Scottish accents, but they, I like how they, how they put it in. I'm not going to try to imitate the accent, but they say regeneration, essentially salvation through the gospel, belief in the gospel, regeneration made me do an about face, which is exactly what you said. So an about face is like a military turn. You're like you're marching in one direction and you stop and you pivot and you completely turn in the other direction. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just hear the message of the gospel preached. The Holy Spirit acts upon you supernaturally to regenerate your heart, um, to wake you up to the beauty of God in Christ. Hmm. And then you are enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit to respond in repentance and faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even our necessary response to the gospel in order to reap the benefits of the gospel, repentance and belief. Still gift, still a gift from God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Repentance is a gift. Faith is a gift. Yeah. Right? Because apart yeah. from the Holy Spirit um, regenerating me and and making me come alive because I was dead in trespasses and sins according to Ephesians chapter 2, I wouldn't be able to repent. I wouldn't be able to believe. Mm. All right. So well, even... The act of repenting and believing is a work of God himself, is a work of the Holy Spirit within you, yeah. enabling you to believe the gospel. For sure. Yeah. But from a human vantage point, we still need to um, exercise the will and, and do it. We need to repent, turn away from our sin, trust in Christ alone for salvation, believe. He is the one and only Savior, and there is no other Savior. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and repentance is, it starts with um, a change of mind. Like, you can't even do an about turn in the army until you've decided to do an about turn. Right. right? Yeah, <laughs> and sure. so sometimes we hear, like, have I truly repented because I keep doing this? Mm. Right? But Paul says the things I keep doing, I like, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, the proof that he's repenting is he doesn't want to do it. Right? Mm. And so we should be super skeptical of our, of our own testimony or others' testimony if the realization of the wretchedness of my sin doesn't come into that story. Because mm. there's no, even Isaiah, I saw the holiness of God get away from me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, because once you see the holiness of God through the gospel, it instantly becomes a mirror to your sin. Mm. And you instantly see the, the depravity even more. Right? Because, mm. or else, what's he saving you from? Right? Mm. He's not making it better. Yeah. Right? He's he's dealing with this issue. There's only yeah. one issue in the Bible. God right? saves us from God. Yeah, that's right. Ultimately, because totally. we deserve his wrath as a result of our sin and rebellion against him. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. And our so, debts towards him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That that reminds me of uh of Peter when Jesus comes to him and uh and they're fish, and he's fishing, right? And he and Jesus says to cast your net 
on the other side and he casts his net and he gets a bunch of fish and he, he hadn't been. And then all of a sudden he does. And in that moment he goes, I'm a wicked man. Like, get away, like Jesus, get away from me. Obviously I'm paraphrasing, like get away from me. I'm a sinner. Yeah. Like I'm a sinful man. He saw the divinity. Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. He, yeah. And you brought up the Isaiah six passage already um, where Isaiah, he's in the temple and he sees a vision of God in his glory. Um, this God who is holy, holy, holy beyond our wildest imaginings. And Isaiah's response isn't, wow, this is amazing. I feel so good inside. <laughs> I've never felt happier. I've never felt more alive. Mm. Right. Mm. He sees a Woe chasm. to me, yeah. for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the mm. Lord of hosts. Mm. Yeah. Right? That's right. Yeah. The holiness of God versus our state apart from Christ's righteousness applied to us. Yeah. That's, that's our response. Right. Is woe to me. Like, or who am I? A, a sinful, wretched man. Deserving of judgment. Deserving of hell. Deserving of your, of your perfect holy wrath against sin. But Jesus. But Jesus. And we get to be clothed with his righteousness. Mm-hmm. What a blessing. Um, before we move on to some, I got, I have some, I guess, sort of practical application questions slash cultural questions pertaining to the gospel that I want to ask you guys. But real quick, before we get to that, um, I just want to briefly touch. And again, this, we can dive really deep into this in another episode, but I, I want to just briefly touch on this. Uh, we've, we've, obviously displayed in episode one that salvation is not by works. It's not by anything that we do. It has nothing to do with us. It's only the work of God, um, the work of Christ on the cross and the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives to believe the gospel. Um, so what would you guys say? Because I've heard this before and I just want to ask you this real quick. I've heard this said before. Oh, well, all I, all I have to do is just believe that Jesus died and that he's God and that's it. And then I can just sort of do whatever I want. Well, actually, if um, I'm going to be a church history geek and uh, cite uh, a story from the Reformation. So Martin Luther, uh, when he posted his 95 theses on the church door... Um, in Wittenberg, um, October 31st, 1517. Yes, I remember the date. Um, the first of his 95 theses... 10 points to Spencer. ...was this. Um, <laughs> the whole of the Christian life is marked by continual repentance. Hmm. So it's not just that your first response to the gospel when you initially hear it is repentance, and then you don't need to repent anymore. Hmm. Um, yeah you are actually enabled to lead a life that is marked from first to last post-conversion by repentance. Yeah. Because when you see what Christ has done for you on the cross, that doesn't lead to apathy and indifference um, with regards to your sin. It leads to a fierce hatred for your sin because you see the magnitude of the love of God displayed for you um, in sending his one and only son to die for you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
So that is the chief motivating factor in our pursuit of holiness, um, in our efforts to kill our sin, is look what God has done in Christ. Look at the cross right. and keep looking at the cross. Yeah. Jordan, yeah, you were um, going to say something? Yeah, it's, it's like justification, like the gospel, how it affects us starts with the transaction, but then it instantly, because God takes up residence in us, it instantly moves to a relational Right. And so the mm-hmm. transaction is, you know, he gets my filthiness, I get his righteousness. Yep. But then it moves to relational because I can't live this life without him mm-hmm. enabling me to do so through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. And so now, like, Christianity can't be straight transaction. It has to now move into relational with the, the God of the universe. Right. Um, in relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, um, now, um, if I say, like some would say, I'm not, you know, I've, I've, I've been baptized or I've said the prayer mm. and I'm good, right? That's, yeah. that's so contrary to Scripture. Scripture is like, I come and live in you. Um, mm. And because it's a relationship, now I can't not but be consistent in repentance. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because I've, ex- <coughs> I've definitely experienced that before. Like, you know, the, the gospel... Uh, is shared in in whatever capacity it's it in my experience it was usually just like you know what i touched on in episode one god loves you is a great plan for your life he just wants to be with you and like you're so awesome and jesus loves you and um that never really helped me it never really rang true with me it was like you know i'm not awesome and i have no reason to think that i am and it's just like when when Paul talks about uh, when ta- uh, when Paul talks about being slaves, uh, this is from First Corinthians uh, chapter seven, um, verse twenty two. For he who is called in the Lord as a slave is a freed man of the Lord. There's one right there. Hmm. Likewise, he who is free when called is a slave of Christ. I just. To me, that's been that's been such a verse in the past, I don't know, year, year and a half that I've meditated on. And I've meditated on that, that the Greek word for, for slave, sometimes it's translated bondservant um, or servant. Is, yeah, you get points because you're citing the Greek. Oh, there. Yeah, there you go. Except righteousness I, points. Except I looked it, I looked I it up here. So. points for citing church history. Yeah, but you oh, didn't look it up. You're right. I have my phone I mean, in front of me okay. here, so I'm, and I'm looking it up. Just to be very transparent with oh, our listeners. Right. <laughs> Minus <laughs> 10 points for Googling it. Because that's how this works. That's right. It's all about points, as yeah. obviously we've been saying. Yeah. Um, anyways, enough of that. First uh, Corinthians seven twenty two. I just read it. Uh, likewise, he who was free. Oh, but I thought we weren't free. Didn't we talk about that in episode one? Let's get to that. I, w- I want... I want you to answer that, Jordan, because you were talking about that in episode one. But first, when called is a slave of Christ. That word slave is doulos in the Greek. And... It's doulos. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sentence. Sorry, go ahead. And... Words. I just sorry. points to... Sorry, pa- sorry Pastor Jordan. <laughs> what did you say? Doulos? Oh, yeah. Logos as well. Are you Greek? Uh, well, I'm <laughs> no, I'm just bugging you. I'm just <laughs> No, I'm just right on that. That's true. Yeah, that's pretty legit. Doulos. 
that uh, the word translated <laughs> slaves in some translations it says bondservant. Mm. It really means slave. Slave. It means a person who has no say and no rights mm. in the relationship. That's right. None. And that's why Jesus talks about picking up your cross. Exactly. Right? Like when people had crosses on their back, they they knew where they're going and they were going to die. Yeah. They didn't have future plans. Yeah. You know what I mean? They they that's it. They were defined by that cross. Exactly. Right? And yeah, dead man walking. Dead man walking. Yeah, that's right. Right? And when we and, and it's amazing though, like all through I'm life abundant, right? Mm. And so Matthew mm-hmm. six twenty four, no one can serve two masters. Yep. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God. And he's using the example of money here. You can't serve God and worldly things. Yes. Right? And worldly things, exactly. Yeah. So we're gonna serve something. We you know, we touched on that a little bit. Yeah. You're either you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness, and you're only a slave to righteousness if you're in Christ. Yeah. But I just love like when we get into the into the Greek, the words that Paul was writing, that word doulos. Mm. And I just love the meaning. You have no rights. Yeah. You have none. Yeah. It's only full submission with zero say, zero sway in the relationship, full submission to Christ. Likewise, he who is free, a.k.a. free to pursue your flesh right. before the Holy Spirit got a hold of you. Right. That's what free means. From a human perspective. Free in a human perspective. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. not actually free not because you're a slave to sin as you just right. as you just read. Um, when called is a slave of Christ. I Mm. love that. It's just like Mm. my job, my response, this is where I was going with this. My response to the gospel is absolute submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not my opinion, not my will, not what I want to do, not what I think the Bible says. It's absolute submission to the word of God and to the to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that would be bad news if Jesus wasn't who he has revealed himself to be in mm-hmm. the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, But it he's would a be. good master, a loving yeah. master, a kind and benevolent master who always has our best interests in mind. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he's perfect, right? Yeah. And that speaks to, you know, to the... the when Jesus says, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, oh man, God's... You know, God the Father is the perfect Father, as what you were just saying. And then Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. So we look at Christ and we see the Father. So when we see the Father, why wouldn't we want to submit to someone who never sins, never does anything wrong, is only perfect, is only holy, only has his glory and our good in mind. And our good doesn't always mean what we want, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Um, but his glory and our good in mind, like what a joy it is through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I always harp on that because it's like, I never want people to think like, oh, like it's about, it's about what you do. It's no, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, because that's the only way it happens. Full submission where I say, Jesus, you are Lord, you are savior, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my, not my, not Joshua's kingdom come, not Joshua's will be done, but your Kingdom come, your world be done yeah, totally. on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, and I think that is 
like it's not a it's not a realization or whatever that I think we have to really focus on like why were humans created? Like what's our purpose? What's our point? Yeah. Right? And once we deny that purpose, hmm. which is we start living for us, yeah. right? Um, which the devil loves, by the way. The devil doesn't care if you put his name on it. No, as he doesn't. As long as you don't put Christ's name on it. Yeah. Right? But the moment we put Christ or Christ puts his name on us, we start living how we were meant to live. Mm. Right? Which means there's no other state we can live where we're fully human except in sub- submission to Christ. Because that's yeah. why we were created to live. Yeah. Right? And so it's actually... That's why Jesus can say, like, that's where the joy is found. That's where the abundant life is found, right? Because this is how you were created to be. Mm. And so it's interesting. It's um, the the Bible, I don't want to call it progression, but it goes from like, um, if you want to call it progression, it goes from slave to son yeah. as well. Yeah. Right? It doesn't mean one stopped. We're wearing both hats. Yeah. We're still a slave, but now we're co-heirs. Now mm. we're Abba Father, children of God. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's the blessings that we're meant to be with one with Christ. Yeah. Right? And I think, I actually think you and I talked about that in our last podcast that just you and I did. I think I said something like that. Like it's just crazy how at the same time we're slaves to Christ yeah. with no say, no authority, but we're also co-heirs in his inheritance because yeah. of what he accomplished on the he cross. Yeah, for sure. yeah. And we can cry, Abba, Father. Yeah. And he listens to us because yeah. of Jesus. Yeah, it's the prodigal son. I'm willing to be a slave. Yeah. It's that posture that you are now a son. Posture right? of humility. A humble a humble and contrite heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, the gospel isn't just, and this is going back to episode one. Again, if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and do that. This is going back to episode one. The gospel. We are all sinners. We all, you know what, let how about the Bible just says it? For all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. Right? And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Exactly. Mm. So we're all sinners. We all deserve wrath. I'm we teaching all... that first to my four-year-old right now, by the way. Mm. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> Gotta get him young. Well, for sure. Catechize those kids, for sure. We're all sinners. We all deserve hell in the face of a holy and perfect God. But... Jesus. Mm. But Jesus. But stands for behold ultimate truth. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> nice. That's and I like what Shailen says, Great uh, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's right. I love I love that so uh, that Shailen uh, acronym. I don't know if he came up with it or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's an awesome acronym. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... When I share the God, okay, in the, in the past, I, I want to ask you guys maybe some culturally relative questions like to, to us in 2021. Um, and I want to start it with this. So when I've, when I've talked to people before, you know, I'm talking years ago and I've said, oh, you know, I, you know, I've said, God loves you as a great plan for your life. And, you know, he sent his son and he died on the cross and he just loves you. He just wants to be with you. I've generally gotten a pretty positive response, but I don't mean positive in the sense of like, I need Jesus positive response. I just mean like in a fleshly sense of like, oh yeah, well that, oh, thanks for sharing that with me. That's really nice. And 
you know, thanks, thanks for <laughs> sharing your truth with me or whatever you want to say, right? But if we share the gospel according to scripture, that you are a, that you are a sinner bound for hell, eternity, <coughs> damnation apart from, a, apart from God, because he is holy, because he is just, and you, you are in and, in and of yourself in the flesh, your sin is an offense to him, and you cannot come into his presence. But Christ lived the life you couldn't, fulfilled the law on your behalf, died, drank the cup of the wrath of God, uh, was buried, resurrected three days later, and then uh, appeared to masses and then ascended to heaven. So are you preaching or are you asking a question? I'm asking a question. You know me. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love your soft up, man. Like, you do the whole thing and then you get to put the cherry on and look yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks, bro. So if I share that with someone, which mm-hmm. I have, mm-hmm. the, the general response is, who are you to say that Jesus is the only way? How dare you say that? How dare you say that you know that this is true? You don't know. You can't know. Who are you to say? There's tons of religions on, on the planet. That's so arrogant of you. How could you say that? Or I get, you know, the, you know, and we, this is a whole nother podcast. God is a, God is evil and he does all this bad stuff and, and he kills people and, and I'm a good person. So the gospel is offensive. Why is it so offensive to people? Why is it so offensive? Because it's calling people out, which in especially today's culture, I mean, everything is offensive. And as soon as you start saying that people are sinners, that is super offensive to people. And then you tell people that they need somebody. That's also super offensive um, because we're in the era of be your own you, you are your own God, yeah. um, be your best you now, etc., etc. So mm-hmm. those <clears throat> two things that you're coming out of the gate telling someone, they're immediately throwing up their walls at being offended because it's just not an easy thing to swallow. And I mean, I think the moment Jesus stepped foot on planet Earth, people were offended. I mean, you can see in the Pharisees that there was like constant offense at what Jesus was saying to them. So we've kind of gotten away from that, um, trying to be, especially like in the evangelical world, I think, just trying to be viewed in a a better way to the world, trying Mm. to look a little more comfy, a little more appealing, a little more cozy. And we've adjusted like all of our strategies and we've like gotten into, we've gone away from the gospel essentially and we've gone into what can we do to make our church look more cool, more hip? Like maybe <laughs> let's put on a pair of skinny jeans and a pair of glasses and yeah. just like S- smoke machine. Yeah. Smoke machines <laughs> and strobe lights. And then yeah. let's hope that people just want to come into the church yeah. instead of not caring about that mm-hmm. and just being obedient and preaching the gospel and yeah. letting the gospel do what it does, which is incredible chain-breaking, sin-abolishing work. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus didn't get killed because he healed people and because he yeah. multiplied mm-hmm. food to feed hungry people yeah. and because he performed all of these 
miracles to uh, alleviate the physical suffering of the people who were surrounding him on a yeah. constant basis. Yeah. He got killed because of what he said. Mm. I am God. He said that repeatedly, emphatically, publicly, um, unmistakably. Yeah. And there, uh, I think in evangelicalism, like you said, Sean, there's this movement to uh, make jesus more palatable and less offensive mm -hmm. by yeah. um, involving ourselves in all of these social justice endeavors and um, philanthropic endeavors and you know um, <clears throat> volunteering at soup kitchens and uh, feeding starving children overseas and all these things that are good and beautiful um, as accompaniments to the proclamation of the message of the gospel yeah but our primary mission um, as as believers and as the church is to uh, proclaim exactly what Jesus proclaimed about himself. Mm. Jesus said, I am God. That's why they killed him. We say Jesus is God and that's why we're persecuted. Yeah. And that's why the gospel is offensive. Yeah. Um, so we can't shy away from that. Yeah. And to go along with what Sean was saying, which I love how you said, oh, don't hook up a mic to me. I have nothing to say. And then you say <laughs> that, which is like, that was awesome. we could end the podcast on that pretty much. That was so good. Um, uh, what was I saying? So to go off, <laughs> to go off what, what you were saying, our culture of comfort and niceness and, you know, wanting to, to not be offensive has heavily, heavily influenced the gospel message. And we see that so, so, so much. It's like, well, if someone gets angry at me, I, I must have shared it wrong or I must have done something wrong. And here's something that you've said to me, Jordan, that uh, that really stuck with me was, um, and it's probably not exactly what you said, but the general idea was um, even if I share the gospel and I do it like in a, in a kind of bad way or like I'm not that sensitive or whatever, like God's truth is God's truth. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit's work, not ours. So going off what you said, Sean, is like, it, it's a, it's a deficiency of the view of scripture, right? Scripture is sufficient. That's what you were, that's what you were essentially alluding to. The gospel can be proclaimed according to scripture and that that's enough because then the Holy Spirit does the work. But we've gotten so far along the lines of, oh, we don't want to offend people to make the seeker sensitive gospel where we've, we've superimposed our own methods, strategies, ideals, whatever you want to call them on delivering the gospel message. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we have to create an atmosphere. We have to you know, dive deep into, to whatever and shut down the lights and put on the, the smoke machine and have the really emotional music. And then, then we try and share the gospel with people when they're in this vulnerable state to try and get them to, to be like, Oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah. I believe in Jesus. I need you, Jesus. And then when the emotions rub off, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here, by the way, when the emotions rub off, it's just like, Oh, mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. Well, Steve Lawson said, um, I got his quote here. Oh, it's like, I love Steve Lawson. If you cannot, you cannot be wrong about the gospel and be right with God. 
Mm. Right? And so I think that's like the whole totally. premise behind these two episodes. What is the gospel? Yeah. Because that's our only, like, that's our responsibility, yeah. right? Is if we get the gospel wrong, it doesn't matter what we're saying because it has no power. Exactly. 16, right? Exactly. So 2 Corinthians 2.16 says this, and this is like, an, it should be expected by us. Okay? Like, it says it right here. To those who are perishing... We are a dreadful smell of death and mm. doom. <laughs> but to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. Mm. But that's if, obviously, to, it would say we, we who are preaching the gospel correctly. So if you're preaching it correctly, you're going to have an audience who loves you or hates you. Mm. That's it, right? Because our job is to spread the seed, which is the gospel. Yeah. God's job is to prepare the soil, which right. is the heart of our recipients. Yeah. Right, and that's why we're so eager, and and that's why Paul, an apostle, goes later on and goes check my gospel, make sure I'm right here mm-hmm. with the other apostles. Yeah. That's Paul. Yeah. Right. He's saying check, make sure I'm saying what I'm yeah. right, because if what I'm saying is wrong, yeah, there's no power, right? And so that's why it's so important that we get the gospel right, and like yeah. the gospel defines itself, like you were saying in the first episode, there, Spencer is that it's good news. It can't be good news without bad news. Mm. Right? So if we neglect the bad news, what are we telling people? Yeah. That exactly. God is an accessory to your goodness already. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But the bad news is, mm. is that you, according to Romans 5, are an enemy of God. Mm. That's the bad news. And yeah. God crushes his enemies. Yeah. Right? But, behold the ultimate truth. If Christ was crushed on your behalf, if Christ was crushed on behalf of our audience, then they will not be crushed. Mm. And that seed will grow. Mm. It will grow. And so we can have faith in that. It's not about the lights. It's not about, I don't know, I'm okay with tight jeans, but um, it's not about (laughs) this emotional show, right? It should be the truth (laughs) that promotes emotion. Yeah. It shouldn't be emotion that promotes the truth. Mm. Right? You can't yes. derive truth out of emotion. But if my if the truth of the true gospel, or God saves sinners, as J.I. Packer would sum it up, yep. if that is presented and unpacked to our audience, then we can, in a sense, wash our hands of the effect of our gospel presentation. Right. Yes. Right? Exactly. And I love that you just wrote, you just read Second uh, Corinthians 2, uh, 16 uh, to 1. A fragrance from death to death to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Um, I like what Paul says in the following verse, in verse 17. For we are not like so many peddlers mm. of God's word. For profit. Yeah. Yeah. Peddlers of God's, of God's word. But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Mm. And if we're going to speak in Christ, we, we have to preach the gospel according to what it says in the scriptures and not superimpose our own modern 21st century strategies as if we could come up with any better way of delivering the gospel than the living God has come up with in his word. Right. Like who are, who do we think we are? Yeah. If we say, Oh yeah, well the Bible's great, but we got to have great music. We got to have, you know, flashing lights. We have to create an atmosphere. Like, no, we don't have to, we don't have to 
to create any atmosphere at all. No. We don't have to create anything. God has laid it out in his word. And our duty as slaves, doulos of Christ, is simply to preach that gospel. <laughs> It's all good. It's all Whatever. Good. It's all good. It's my Spanish coming out, Jordan. Mm-hmm. The Excuses. the O makes the A makes an O sound totally. in Spanish. You're probably right. No one knows. Whatever. It doesn't love, matter. Uh, I love what you were saying, Jordan, about if there's no bad news, then there's no good news. So the bad news precedes the good news, and there's no understanding or appreciation of the good news unless you first come to terms with the bad news. Unless the, yeah, totally. Unless the Holy Spirit rots that in you, you're not going to come up to a person who has fallen and in sin their whole life and all of a sudden convince them with your words without the power of the Holy Spirit convincing them of those words. Like, that's yeah. how the Holy Spirit works. He doesn't just work, right? He works with, which is insane. He works through the commission of his church, Yeah. right? God's plan for salvation message is the church that's plan a and there's no plan b like that's it yeah right and so how will they know if no one preaches to them right and so we can come and that's why i think us says and i think what really fosters the atmosphere of love right um because that's normally the con it wasn't loving enough or whatever right yeah but what fosters the that atmosphere of love is prayer Mm. like pre prayer prepare prayer right (laughs) um like when it's because if our heart doesn't break for the loss, then we do not have the heart of Christ. Yeah. He has not affected us, mm. right? Like Christ, that was his mission, to seek and save the lost, mm. right? And that needs to echo in me if I claim I'm a Christian. Yeah. And so everything I do is in accordance to bringing Christ's glory by being like him. Mm. And what was his mission? To make disciples, right? Yeah. And that's, that's my goal, but I can't take... I remember, man, when when I was told that, like, God is more concerned about my salvation than I'll ever be. Um, and that's the same with, like, those we're sharing with, right? Yeah. He's more concerned. And if he can use a donkey, he can use you. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. And a donkey, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, uh, actually, he probably just spoke straight through the donkey, you know what I mean? But no fallenness there. But, <laughs> but you know the analogy, right? Yeah. For sure. Um, Jordan, so that reminded me of something that you've, you've said before, I think we've conversated about it. Um, love. Oh, well, I just want to, I want to make sure that the, that the person I'm sharing the gospel with feels loved or knows that I love them. It's usually, usually feels loved is, is the terminology. Um, but if we don't share the true, the full gospel, if you want to say it that way, are we actually loving people? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to like? Are we trying to love them in accordance to their understanding of love? Yeah. Because God didn't love me in my understanding of love. He didn't love me how I wanted to be loved. He loved me how I needed to be loved. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're supposed to love people. It's like you don't even you we we don't even know naturally what love is. Yeah. Right. And if there's no truth, it's not love. And if actually there's no love, there's no truth. That's right. Right. Yeah. Truth and love exactly. So when you're sharing the gospel and you want to shy away from the parts that offend people, you know, you're a sinner deserving of hell, deserving of eternal judgment, and God is perfectly just and good to give that to you. In fact, he should give that to you. 
when you're sharing that with someone, yeah. that's actually loving them. Oh, for sure. Man. Mm-hmm. Because if you just say, well, God loves you and he has a great plan for your life and he just wants to be your friend and, you know, Jesus came and died. You should just believe in him and you can go to heaven. Yeah. The most loving thing you do for your child is introduce them to Jesus. How are other people any different? Yeah. Right? Like, if you're a loving parent, you're introducing them to Jesus because you know you can't love them enough. Because mm-hmm. you're not, you don't walk perfectly in truth and grace. Yeah. But Christ did. Christ did, yeah. Perfectly in perfectly, truth and grace. Yeah. So what you're trying to do as ambassador is pass off Jesus. Mm. Because you know you're not good enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Something else that I just want to touch on that you um, were, were talking about before, Josh, is... Um, the uh, question that you posed as if you were an unbeliever, well, who are you to say that Jesus Christ is the only way to God? Mm -hmm. Um, I do want us to remember that uh, one of the most important things to keep in mind when we're proclaiming the gospel is uh, to put front and center the centrality of the exclusivity of Christ. Yeah. Because that is also... Um, one of the most offensive aspects of the message of the gospel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, John 14, 6, I'm pretty sure it's John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we change that definite article, the to ah, the world would love us. Mm-hmm. Yes, they Jesus would. Christ is a way, a truth, a life. But who am I to tell you that he's the way, the truth, the yeah. life? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not telling you. I'm telling you that Jesus is telling you through his word. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not basing any of my gospel presentation on my own authority. I'm basing it on the authority of Christ um, yeah. as it is revealed in uh, the living and active word of God. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well said. Uh, Jordan, I, you because have something there? There is no other name so. under heaven by which we must be saved. Only Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And we're, yeah, signing ourselves up for persecution by proclaiming the exclusivity of Christ. Mm. But there is no gospel if we present Christ as one among many, a savior. Yeah. Yeah, because lots of people, they're, oh, you know, that's your truth. And that's, that's good for you. Like, oh, I'm happy for you. You found your truth. Well, my truth, aka the truth says that your truth is completely and utterly wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. Old, you know, I, I think about, a, I don't remember what Lecrae song it is from years ago. It's like an older Lecrae song. Um, and he has a line. I love this line. Someone told me that there's no such thing as truth. Right. I said, if that's the case, then why should I, why should I believe you? you? Yeah, that's such a good line. What if my truth yeah. says yours is a lie? Man. Yeah. Oh, man. Exactly. Yeah. It's self-defeating and I think, but I think we need to, we so want approval, man. We've been going through this in our Hermitus class, but we so mm-hmm. want approval from the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. But Christ said, you need to get your pat on the back for me and me alone. Yeah. And, and that's the recognition you need. Um, and so we as believers need to be content with being fools to the world. We just, we, we need to become content with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because if we um, if we win people by sound argument, if we win people by flattering, if we win, then that's how we have to keep them right. Um, that's how we have to keep amping that up. We have to keep getting more um, attractive to the world. But 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, in a way, this doesn't do away with due diligence. Because if we love Christ, we're going to be so diligent in our word. Because we know that mm-hmm. word, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God, right? And the Holy Spirit has to blow on that. But it gives us such a peace where it's like, man, mm-hmm. it's such a joy now to be on mission. Because, first of all, it's such a grace I get to be on mission with him. And the, one of the reasons it's, it's grace is because it's not on me. Like, who saves people? God. That's right. That's it. Like, I don't save people. God saves people um, through the gospel. It's the power of God. And so um, I just come into terms with that and always more more and more come into terms with that, I guess. It's, it's, it actually frees you up to ministry because you, you, there's not all this pressure on trying to make them like you so that they'll hear your message. Yeah. Right? It's, it's like I fall more in love with God. The more I fall in love with God, the more I fall in love with this word, the more I'm actually effectual for ministry. Yeah. Right. Cause I know him instead of the culture. Right. And I think when people look at you and they see that you somehow need them to believe, cause it's a reflection on yourself. Right. It's weak. Yeah. Trying to justify our own faith. Mm-hmm. If we can get enough people believe it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. come on, please believe. Cause like, <clears throat> I believe this and like, you gotta believe too. Yeah. Cause it worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just like... That's what Malcolm X said. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. Muslim. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. He was right on one thing, I guess. <laughs> it's Yeah, in, instead of just like, no, like, I'm a slave to Christ. I'm a co-heir. I love him. I'm confident in, in who I am in Christ, although I know who I am without him. Yeah. Not to get prideful, of course. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, hey... Yeah. I'm the, like, I'm just, I'm delivering the mail. Yeah. It's up to the Holy Spirit. Um, and I like what you said about, you know, if, if we win them on an intellectual level, we have to keep that level of intellect. Good luck. Good luck is right. And, and Paul talks, uh, Paul speaks to that in first Corinthians, uh, chapter one, uh, verse, uh, verses 21, uh, through 24 for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. So they didn't know him through wisdom. We don't know him through wisdom. Through worldly wisdom, yeah. Through worldly wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs. They kept asking Jesus, give us a sign, give us a sign. Although he obviously gave them many and they, they were blind to it. Um, for, the, for the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews... And folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are being called both Jews and Greeks, Gentiles, Christ is the power of God, the sign, and the wisdom of God, intellect. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Mm-hmm. We, we did actually just go through that in the <laughs> hermeneutics class, so it was a good timing, actually. Yeah, what um, pleases God there? It pleases God to use folly. Yeah. Like... To the like falliness according to the world. Of right. course, it's not falliness. It's the most brutal, like whatever intellectual thing you can ever think of is the gospel, yep. right? Um, anything that God can think of is the most intellectual thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it pleases Him if our audience thinks it's if the world as a whole, um, as in its natural state and its fallen state, sees it as foolishness. Yep. That pleases God. Yeah. So if I'm preaching to a whole audience and the whole audience is awed by my worldly intellect, mm. it doesn't please God. Exactly. Yeah, so so the Jews, first century here, Jesus is is speaking to them. Um, the Jews were wanting a sign, right? Yeah. And obviously, 
Christ gave, gave so many signs. But here's, here's, the, here's the stumbling block to Jews. They were expecting a Messiah to come as a, as a conquering king in an earthly sense that he was going to overthrow the Romans. Uh, he was going to free the Jewish people. He was going to establish this military kingdom on <laughs> earth that would rule. And he was going to be like this, this big, fancy, uh, victorious, powerful, in an earthly sense, king. And he came born in a stable and grew up a, a son of a carpenter and he was from Nazareth, right? Like they, this is folly to the, there's no way this is the Messiah because we're expecting this like, um, you know, this, this 300 type character who just comes and is like muscle bound and just slaughters all his enemies before us. And, uh, <coughs> and the Greeks Folly to Gentiles or Greeks. What was the folly? Well, among many, but I like this example. Crucifixion, first of all, was a very humiliating death. It was the most humiliating death you could give someone in the first century. And I'm sure it still would be if it was around today. Well, actually, it sort of is in some places. Anyways, um, this was was the uh, folly to the Gentiles. One of the major reasons why the Roman Empire actually persecuted first century Christians, of course, A, because they said Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, but also um, strength and resistance was considered and fighting was considered noble to the Roman culture and submission and meekness was considered extremely cowardly. So when we when we look at like folly to the to the, the Greeks, a.k.a. the Gentiles, it was like, how could, how could the God of the universe allow himself to be beaten, whipped, and then killed? Like, that's just insanity. And it hasn't, it hasn't changed. How many people have you guys talked to? I know I've talked to many who say, I would believe in God if, if he would just, you know, show up in my room or drop a piano on my head or whatever. He would just, if he would just give me a sign, if God would just give me a sign, then I would believe. And then going to the Greek side, the intellectual side, the Greeks were also about intellect, right? Paul reasoned with, reasoned with them in Athens. That's what he did, like in the, in the public, like philosophizing. Um, if, if, if I could just understand, if it made sense, I would believe it, but it just doesn't make sense to me. So I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I tried um, <clears throat> that uh, tactic with one of my buddies that I'm still really good friends with. He still hasn't met Jesus, but for years I've been working on him. And my initial approach to uh, trying to win him over to introduce him to Christ was um, through the avenue of apologetics. Mm. So basically all of these rational arguments in favor of the veracity of Christianity. Here's mm. why you should believe what I believe and hear all of um, the convincing arguments as to why uh, Christianity is legit. That went on for years. Here's a book. Here's another book. You should watch this talk. This guy's really smart. He knows what he's talking about. None of it's worked. Right. Um, and what I've come to realize, and I have you know, presented the simple gospel to him since, but what I've come to realize is that the only message that the Holy Spirit has promised to bless is the simple uh, message of Christ crucified and resurrected. That's the only message that saves, yeah. which is 
folly to unbelievers whose minds are, um, you know, darkened, and whose whose spiritual sight is 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 has been blinded mm-hmm. by the lowercase g god of this world. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's yeah, it is the message we have been called and commanded to proclaim. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's one of the reasons it's so folly to the world is because it's simple. Yeah. Right, like that would be such a stumbling block for the Greeks, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's so simple. Yeah. But the the problem is is that sin is blinding, right? Um, that's the I'd say that's the number one effect of sin on us. It blinds us, um, and the shame of it is that this message is so simple. It really is. We can unpack it like we're doing in two episodes here. Mm-hmm. But it's it's God saves sinners, right? And so we need to. Um, not kind of fall into that temptation where it's like, man, I got to show all the nuances and all, because most of the time we're not dealing with the brain, right? right. That's not where the gospel affects. Yeah. Um, the gospel affects the heart and turn mm. turns the brain. And so the only way you can affect the heart is if the affections of that heart turn towards truth. And that can only be done by the gripping hand of God grabs that arm yeah. or that heart turns it or, or gives it about turn, makes it flesh. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I think there's a place for apologetics, uh, especially Amen. in Sorry, strengthening the faith that. of believers. Oh, I know you're not saying that. I'm like making a caveat to what I said previously yeah, yeah. about how apologetics didn't work on my friend. Yeah. Um, which just goes to my point was that only the gospel <coughs> saves. Yeah. Not right. our clever arguments, not our, you know, yeah. um, sophisticated reasonings. Amen. Um, but you know the apologetics does have a place in uh, strengthening the faith of believers, especially. Yeah, but like you were saying, yeah. Jordan, our job is to get the simple message of the gospel from our mouths to people's ears, and then it's the Holy Spirit's job to get the message from people's yeah. ears to people's hearts. We can't do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. We can't change a person's heart. Yeah, really. We, <laughs> <laughs> we can right. de- we can deliver the mail. We can sow that seed, plant that seed. And it's the Holy Spirit who waters it and grows it. And then maybe we'll reap a harvest or maybe someone else will. Right? Yeah. Um, going off, you know, what you were saying about apologetics, uh, I wanted to ask you guys too. For the, for the believers who are listening to this podcast, is there actually reason to believe the gospel? To believe what the Bible says, or is it just some fairy tale, some ancient fairy tale that someone made up? Is there actually reason? By reason, do you mean evidence? Sure. Okay. Because, um, you know, reason to believe the gospel is because you get saved. Go <laughs> <laughs> Be with Jesus, you know. Um, Stop simplifying it, Jordan. Sorry. We need to overcomplicate it. That's where we're no. just talking about oh that. It's goodness. all about our intellect, oh Jordan. Haven't you been listening? You oh man. Okay. <laughs> no, you, go uh, ahead. Yes, yeah. evidence, evidence. Evid- is there actually evidence yeah. to believe the gospel, yeah. or is it just some ancient religious fairy tale that was made mm. up by a bunch of wackos in the first century? <laughs> first century. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh man, There's so uh, much evidence. So, so much, much evidence. We've only heard from Sean once, so Sean's going to chime in now. Because I had a coughing fit, I had to go take care of it. 
Um, yeah, there's so much evidence. Um, like the manuscripts alone are insane, and I do not remember any of the numbers right now because it's uh, sixty six over sixty six thousand. Yeah, and when you compare yeah. it to other <coughs> works of history that people take as fact without even questioning, the mm -hmm. Bible has way, 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 way more uh, manuscripts to back it up. And also mm. within like, isn't the earliest one? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like thirty years from when it was written. Yeah, there's a there's a little snippet of John's yeah. gospel, hmm. probably written within fifty years of his life. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is just it's like incredible. insane. Like yeah. that doesn't happen with historical documents. Which doesn't mean anything if you don't understand the historical documents. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. And then there's also just the gospel story itself, um, like the fact that Jesus first revealed himself to a woman. Um, like that is something that if the disciples, if Jesus never did actually raised from the dead the disciples wouldn't have fabricated that in their story because that was super like humiliating yeah. that jesus yeah. first appeared to a woman because women were like second class in that society so yeah. if they were making this up um because they wanted fame or whatever that that would not have been in there like it just mm -hmm. doesn't make any sort of sense that that that's part of the story and there's so many examples like that that just like they don't make sense unless it was truth. Yeah, you don't defend yeah. your lies with culturally, you know, defenses that wouldn't. No, no yeah. one would, right? it doesn't make any sense. I also they were like trying what to... uh, Blaise Pascal said. He said, "I believe those witnesses whose throats get slit." Yeah. yeah. So all of the uh, <laughs> yeah. um, apostles mm -hmm. minus one who was thus like suffered immensely for uh, the cause of Christ. That's John. Besides John, all of the rest of them, um, and Judas betrayed Christ, but all of the rest of them died brutal, excruciating martyrs' deaths, yeah. mm -hmm. um, testifying to uh, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. as a historical fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they wouldn't have done that if they had known it was a lie. Mm -hmm. Right. They would have relented before they were hung yeah. upside down on a yeah. cross exactly. and crucified. Yeah. yeah. And... and I think I think of Peter. In one moment, we see Peter going to Jesus, and G Jesus is predicting his crucifixion and his death. And Peter's saying, "No, this will never happen to you," and Jesus rebukes him. Um, and then, in in the next moments, we see Jesus prophesy that Peter will deny him three times, and then Peter does deny him. So Peter goes from saying, oh, Jesus, I'll do any, I'll die with you. This will never happen to you. Uh, he cuts off one of the centurion's uh, ears that comes to arrest Jesus. I mean, he's this fighter, this, this fiery man. And then all of a sudden he just denies Jesus three times to a servant girl. Hmm. He wouldn't, they would never write that about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so I love what you said, Sean, about that. Um, can one of you, maybe uh, Jordan, can you speak to, or, or anyone, speak to the, the overarching theme of the Bible and, you know, 700 years prior to Christ, Isaiah is writing Isaiah yeah. 53 under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think I have it. Huh? The suffering servant. Yeah. Maybe we should just look at Isaiah 53, just in the last final moments that we have here. It's it's to me like the the internal evidence in the scriptures themselves uh, pointing to the the veracity and validity of the gospel are the most powerful evidences 
You said you you had it there, Jordan, or you yeah, have something there? Yeah, just to kind of set it up. It's okay. Like, how do we how do we know this book is true? I've just written in the back of my Bible. Nice. It's it's collaboration on an impossible level. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And this um, this will there's this guy named K. Scott Oliphant. Um, he's a he's awesome. Yeah, professor of apologetics down at Westminster Theological Seminary. He says the the wonderful point made by the Westminster Confession is that one has to actually read and consider what Scripture says in order to recognize it's God's very word. Mm. No other book provides such, such a wealth of evidence for its own character. Yep. And so if you're listening along, and you're actually claiming to be a seeker of truth, if you will, or what is the truth, um, then I challenge you to pick up Mark Clark's book that I plugged in the first episode, The Problem of Jesus, and read through it and try. Just, just try to dismantle it. If you're, if we're honest, but I think a lot of the times we're not dealing with, with the mind like we're talking about. Yeah. It's people are wanting to protect their sinful ways, right? We all know this because this is all us, right? This was all us. And so, but the, the Bible that um, Spencer's going to read here, it's self-evidencing mm-hmm. in itself, right? Because Isaiah 53, what are we talking here? 700 years yeah. Yeah. before the gospel of Matthew? Yeah, I mean, we mentioned this very briefly in the first uh, episode on what is the gospel. Just the mm-hmm. incredible messianic prophecies that are given hundreds uh, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the incarnation of Jesus Christ in history. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, that detail, like aspects of his character and like aspects of, you know, what... What, what he's going to be about, what he's going to do in his earthly life and ministry um, that could never have been fulfilled um, as perfectly as and as completely as Jesus Christ fulfilled them yeah. um, in yeah. his incarnation. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I'm not going to read the whole of Isaiah 53 yeah. because I'm pretty sure we're running out of time, but it's just... Um, talks about uh, how Christ is going to be rejected by his people. So... The Jews, for the most part, rejected Jesus as Messiah um, mm-hmm. when he was uh, roaming around uh, first century Palestine, performing miracles and proclaiming um, himself to be the Christ. Um, talks about his uh, penal substitutionary atonement, his uh, his sacrificial substitutionary atonement, um, his, his death on our behalf. Um, it talks about... Uh, it talks about how, verse 9, they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. So he was he was crucified between two thieves, grave with the wicked, mm. um, with a rich man in his death. He was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich man. Um, yeah, it just, it's just, it's staggering, the, the exactness of, uh, yes, of these prophecies and then how... They're fulfilled so precisely um, mm-hmm. in Jesus and in his earthly life and ministry, his death on our behalf, his resurrection. Isaiah 53 is the um, the uh, passage, the chapter that uh, John MacArthur shared with one of my favorite non-Christian thinkers, if you want to say it that way, I guess, Ben Shapiro, yeah, that is uh, Orthodox great. Jew, on his Sunday special episode. And he had John MacArthur, uh, Pastor John <laughs> MacArthur on there. And MacArthur, of course, just preached the gospel to him, which was awesome. <laughs> and he, you know, coming coming to an Orthodox Jew who believes in the Old the Old Testament but not the New, yeah. sh- showed him very clearly in Isaiah 53 how that points to Christ. Um, and that's, man, that, it just reminded me of that. And 
Uh, I just love it. You know what? Um, I think to end the uh, second episode, we we do have time. Uh, Spencer, go ahead and read it for us. Read us the whole Isaiah thing. Isaiah 53. Let's just, yeah, let's just end on that. All right. I mean, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually preaching on it in a few weeks. So. Nice. Cool. This is prep for me. <laughs> Um, it, the servant, the fourth servant song actually starts in Isaiah 52, verse 13. So we'll start there. Yeah. This is God speaking about the suffering servant, um, the Messiah who is to come, who we, of course, as Christians recognize to be Jesus. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no halo around his head, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And here is really, I think, the, the mm. crux of um, the, 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 the passage. Mm. But he, that is Jesus, was pierced in his hands and in his feet for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, crushed under the full weight of the wrath of God against our sin. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. He takes our punishment, we get peace. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Um, in his trial he, he remained silent. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? Excuse me. And they made his grave with the wicked, crucified between two thieves, and with the rich man in his death, buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, sinless, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see, or he shall see light and be satisfied. Resurrection. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Hmm. If that's not about Jesus, I don't know what is. It can't be about anybody else. Yeah. In all of history. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Only Christ fulfilled that. And he and he fulfilled it in full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't fluke out that much. No. Not a chance. Not 700 years before. <laughs> yeah. Any last thoughts? Anyone? Yay, nay? Nay. Oh, that was voice break. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Need some water. Ooh. Hmm. Okay. Well, should we pray? Should Sean pray for us? 
Do we have time for a closing prayer? We always got time for prayer. Would you, Sean? Sure. God, thank you so much for just the beauty and simplicity, uh, yet extravagancy of your gospel, God. And yes, Lord. we just praise you for your son and for, yeah, just the sorrow and affliction and grief and wrath that he bore mm-hmm. in our place, God. Yes, um, we can never, ever praise you enough for that, God. And um, yeah, I pray that you give us give us wisdom and discernment as we just yearn for others to come to you, to know you, and to have fellowship with you. And um, just give us your strength in this time, in this world that is confusing at times and hard, God, that um, we're just able to remain strong, standing on your foundation, mm-hmm. which is your word, God. Yes, God, I want to thank you for these two men and my lovely wife who are sitting with me tonight. Thank you that you have the opportunity to open your word, to dive into your your holy scriptures that you have um, given to us. Such a gift. Jesus, we thank you for fulfilling the law that, that we could never fulfill. Thank you for living a perfect life on our behalf. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for stepping down from your authority of as King of kings, Lord of lords, creator of the universe, and humbling yourself and coming as a man and dying a sinner's death, a death on a cross, a criminal's death in our place that we deserved. Mm-hmm. We love you. We want to magnify your name. There is no one like you, Lord. Um, there is no one like you, Jesus. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. Besides you, there is no other God. I thank you for again for these two men and and uh, for my beautiful wife for for joining me. God, I ask that uh, that you would draw us closer to your Son, Holy Spirit. I ask that you would continue, and I know you will continue. You are so faithful to conform us to the image of Christ. You are so good to us. We love you. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for joining for the double episode. Really, really appreciate it. Pleasure, bro. It's late. Yes, it is. It is. It's, bed, good, it's bedtime. Yeah. Love you guys. Love you too. Check one, two, first Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church The kind of things that few search They say that the truth hurts Well this pain is gain So let's explain the new birth First things first Can't neglect us at the start I must preface my remarks With the deadness of the heart From original sin The effects of the fall The sin of our first parents Brought death to us all Since Adam was our federal head What he did counted for us In him were all rebels and dead Yo, captured in the mind Disaster, sin and crimes In a dark state Alaska in the winter time Sour in our Frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames Cause we're powerless to change If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3